My name is Mr. Jeff Watson, and you are listening to the Inspired Minds Podcast. It is a collection of interviews with creative types, mostly Hollywood creative types, producers and directors and screenwriters and musicians sometimes, too. I'm talking to creatives. I want to talk to creatives about the creative process and what the birth of artistry can look like for someone. And what that, that process is, is it's a really weird process. Um, I am an artist myself of varying success. <laughs> not More like the not part of that, that part, but I don't, I don't care. Uh, and with that artistic mind comes a lot of noise and a lot of just different ways of perspectives or different perspectives. So I am speaking to people that I think perhaps might think like me a little bit. And it is interesting. It's fun. I'm having so much fun with this bit about me. Uh, I am a musician, former, still kind of, um, I music industry forever. And I am currently a therapist, uh, because I believe in storytelling, just again, what this is all about. I would not have this lovely opportunity to speak with these fantastic people were it not for the good graces of Mr. Michael E. Simpson, the executive producer of this exact same podcast, as a matter of fact. He is an old friend of mine, great guy, fantastic screenwriter, uh, scripts. Uh, he is creative, uh, creative screenwriting. Uh, he writes for that. He writes for The Drill. He writes for your script. Fantastic human being, and I uh, really want to help out a lot with this. So, this next episode that I did was with a fabulous person named Sadie Dean. Sadie Dean is the uh, editor of the aforementioned Script magazine, and she has a great podcast called uh, Reckless Creatives. It's her MFA from, IF, uh, from uh, AFI. So uh, she really knows the that world very well. Fantastic screenwriter, uh, and also a ton of script supervising. Script, script, script. So our conversation, I wanted to kind of root around what it meant to uh, create characters and what that looked like. And uh, there's so much fun. At one point in the conversation, we did talk about how her perspective, her feelings towards her characters and how bad she feels for them when she puts them in bad situations, when they, when she uh, puts them in, uh, you know, she kills them off or you know, hurts them in some way. As the creator, she feels bad for her character. I thought that was fantastic. At any rate, um, that's it. Hope you enjoyed as much as I did. She's a fabulous woman. And uh, you will find out in about three seconds when this, <laughs> here we go. Okay. Hello. We are with the fabulous Sadie Dean. Sadie, hello. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming uh, on. I guess being on the phone, not like coming into the radio station anymore, but um, it's great. It, I've been, uh, you know, you and I were talking a second ago and I was kind of talking about your, uh, your site and, you know, script and kind of what you've been doing with that and your writing style and just all kinds of amazing stuff. And I guess the first question I have for you really is what draws you to a story or what inspires you to create a story? Uh, really for me, it comes down to connecting to characters. Uh, I feel like it's kind of 
like anyone, you watch a movie, you kind of want to see yourself in a character and you want to be taken out of your reality and, and put in this other world. Um, but still having that, that kind of personal connection to it. Um, a lot of the stuff that I write just for screenwriting on the screenwriting side, I do a lot of coming of age stuff. Uh, I love character pieces. Um, I love ensemble pieces. And when I'm doing my interviews, that's always something I kind of focus on is just getting to the nitty gritty of the story and character development and world building. Um, I think that's super important for, for any, um, you know, storytelling endeavor. I mean, when I think of characters, I think of, you know, Bugs Bunny or something. I know that's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm yeah, I mean, smart. you, you, <laughs> no, no, you're, you're totally smart. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you get, you have all kinds of different kinds of characters. You get the different archetypes. You got your heroes, your villains, your, you know, your underdogs. Uh, you know, you have your bug bunnies. You have, um, you know, like a movie I just watched recently, uh, Wes Anderson's new movie, The French Dispatch, and it's just an array of different walks of lives. Um, and just following their journeys and going through those arcs with them. Well, I guess that perhaps because the French Dispatch movie, I am looking forward to seeing. And you were talking about kind of multiple narratives going on. Is that kind of the ensemble thing that also drives you as well? Yeah, because you kind of get uh, different uh, points of view uh, with ensemble pieces. Uh, you know, uh, I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan, so like his movie, like Royal Tenenbaums, kind of. Uh, opened up my world as a filmmaker, at least as a young filmmaker, and seeing what you can do with these different characters and different voices, especially. Um, yeah, it's just, it's super fascinating. And, and you get to kind of like, as a writer, you get to create those voices and worlds and say things that you maybe wouldn't say to like a stranger, you know, on the bus or something. You get to make up these, these otherworldly people um, and these narratives. Yeah, and you know something that I find interesting is uh, I know a lot of creatives do this. I certainly do it. Curious to get your take on it, which is the it's almost a world building of a character itself, like unto itself. When you have an ensemble, you know, like there's a backstory mm-hmm. to them, and there's every little nuance. My question to you is, how do you find those? How do you find the voice of a character? Is it through detail of a backstory? Is it through the uh, the theme kind of of the overall project? Yeah, like, I would say all of the above. I mean, really, like, most writers, and, you know, there's no right or wrong way, really. It's it's whatever your writing style is, but a lot of writers will find a theme to that story and kind of use that as, like, a North Star that they follow, and that's kind of the trajectory that you're going to put your character on for their, you know, hero's journey and that overall arc, um, and you kind of write to that, and and I find doing very detailed outlines and backstories for your character's will help you push that along. And, you know, I find that having, you know, writers who have lived a life uh, have more to say and can put more of those nuances into those characters and and give them that voice, Um, which is not easy to do. It's a little tough to to pin it down. But uh, I think that's the the fun of it. It's like just finding, uh, going on that journey with your characters. Because I always find... I'll write like a, a piece and a scene and I'll have my character do something. And then I, I don't want to disappoint my character. <laughs> like I get very protective <laughs> of them and, you know, I like, 
oh, like, I don't want this to happen to them. Like, this is terrible, but they have to go through it in order to get to the next scene or to grow and learn from this thing. But uh, I think a lot of us writers are very protective of our, our uh, imaginary friends on the page. That's, that is fantastic. I've never heard that perspective before. And it makes sense because you're invested in the character, obviously, because it's mm-hmm. yours. But right. in a sense, if I'm if I'm understanding this correctly, you are essentially sacrificing the character for the for the greater good of the story. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Very poetic. <laughs> but that's it, right? That you're you're kind of making a value judgment of I'm gonna. <laughs> this is all extremely <laughs> esoteric, but I'm going to take. My, my my character and his possible her possible dreams and visions and want to shut them down in favor of the narrative arc, right? Yeah, yeah, and and sometimes they sometimes they you know because you have a goal you want them you want them to have a goal and sometimes you want them to achieve that goal but things happen and get in the way it's just like life um, you know you know maybe let's just call it like technology could have not been on on our side and we just have to find another angle and how do we how do we connect. Um, and I think that's like that with writing your characters and getting to the finish line. That's fascinating. It reminds me of Billy Joel. I had a comment. He gets asked all the time, like, what's your favorite song? And he goes, all of them. They're my children. Right. You know? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I worked just as hard on Piano Man as I did for a song you never heard of. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not fair. You can't, you can't pick your favorite kid or your favorite song. No. No, you really can't. And that's kind of the creative process that I'm obviously kind of going with here. This whole thing's really about is, but that's interesting. I never thought about being, not wanting to let your character down. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you just get so connected and close to these characters. And that's like the last thing you want to do is let them down. I think it's also kind of your own, your, your insecurities about yourself is not like, Wanting to let yourself down, but you're like, it's going to happen. So here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need boundaries with your characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, so let's go back on the theme thing for a second. You were talking about, you know, the North Star, right? And mm-hmm. I guess, so what I'm curious is, and I'm sure it's done either way, but, well, for you, do you write? the story and kind of find the theme as you go, or do you kind of think of the North Star again right? Yeah, it, it depends on the project, I feel like. I mean, I, there, there's one that immediately comes to mind where it, it, it deals with the idea of being abandoned and reconnecting and finding a new family, basically, uh, with someone that's not your blood. But just the idea of how do you deal with abandonment, either by family or a loved one or by yourself. And uh, once once I figure out that theme, then I could kind of round out what that story trajectory is. But sometimes the story mm-hmm. will inform me what that theme is going to be because I don't know, it's, it's always a process, right? You're not going to get it right the first time. Sure. Um, it's, yeah, and, and I, you know, I have a writing partner as well that when we do more comedy stuff, and we, we do the same thing where it's like, you know, at the heart of it, like what is it? What is the message we're trying to get across? Is it, you know, uh, being collaborative or teamwork with these characters or, uh, you know, forgiveness because they took something from the other person? And um, 
Yeah, it it just depends on I guess your writing style and how you approach your your stories. Have you been writing as a kid? Yeah, yeah. Uh I think I started I mean, I've been an avid reader since I was a kid. That was like my my go to uh, you know, quote unquote hobby. Uh this is before the internet and uh all the streaming networks and all the channels that you have on TV now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I've always been, like, writing short stories or just writing little things here and there, and uh, and then eventually probably that into becoming a, a screenwriter uh, in in my later years. But, uh, yeah, I've always, always been a writer. Okay. What was the first film you ever fell in love with? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. There are so many. Uh I have I have my go tos that I will watch multiple multiple times a year, uh, and that would be uh, Tank's Girl and uh, really? Dirty Dancing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my! What a complete opposite ends of the universe those are. Yeah. <laughs> but Tank they do Girl. for me. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody would say me in a corner. A. B, Tank Girl is fascinating. Wasn't Ice T in that movie as like the Yeah. The the kangaroo man? Yeah. <laughs> Why do I know that? He was like a, a former cop. Yeah. And the stellar it's just that such a stellar soundtrack. The whole thing is just awesome. It's I don't know, I just uh I love that movie. I love Lori Pet Petty in it and yeah, it's one of my favorites. Well, that's fantastic. So what was that the first movie you fell in love with, you would say? I would say maybe the one that has like the biggest impression on me as a as a kid. Um I mean certainly there's like other movies I remember watching like Backdraft over and oh, over again. Yeah. My my VHS tapes that like came with like two tapes. It was just such a <laughs> long movie. That's right. That's right. Um But yeah, that one and uh and of course there's like classics that I love also, like Chinatown. Um that screenplay is uh it's just a chef's kiss. It's it's such a great great script and, and movie. Uh, Network is another great one. <gasps> Ooh, um, time out. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's my favorite movie of all time. All time. Easily. It's so good. Talk, I mean, so talk good. about a script. Kai Chiesti in yeah. that script. I mean, I, Ned Beatty mm-hmm. in that movie. Like that whole scene when he's like, "You have meddled with the forces of nature." <laughs> And you shall atone. And then he goes, am I making myself clear? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what about network do you like? Let's go there. Yeah, it's the characters. It comes back to the characters. They're people that are in, like, that were people of that time and had, in, you know, internal and external conflicts with themselves and each other and I think that's another like universal theme that people have and so it resonates till today you know, you know that movie came out uh well before I was on this planet but I mean it's so good and the writing is stellar the the, the you know all the one-liners you think of from that movie um in the direction and of course you know the acting hands down some of the best yeah that we've yeah. ever had so one of my favorite bits is uh, when Robert Duvall says, he thinks he's the Sun King. It just resonated. I thought that was fantastic. What a great line, <laughs> Sun King. 
And there's a, and I think my favorite part, honestly, and by the way, if this is part movie review, who cares? Um, <laughs> because I can go on for days about network. But one of my favorite creepy, the creepiest part about the whole movie is where they're all sitting in the end and they're just calmly discussing shooting Howard Beale. Calmly. Yeah. It'll be good for, yeah. it'll be good for ratings. And you know, they've done it like you destroyed <laughs> in that movie. Well, look at, you know, look at fantastic ratings on that night if you do it the other night. Right. <laughs> yeah, to back to business, right? It's, it's, yeah. I mean, we do that with yeah, our well, jobs too. It's like, it's crazy and it's like, well, how are we going to hit the viewers? <laughs> we need more eyeballs. Well, Exactly. And the craziest thing about that movie it was so far ahead of its time, right? Because oh, yeah. that is that kind of stuff happens now, even 10 years ago, it was going on. Uh, that's, it was so, it just saw the future, unfortunately, and it's played up, obviously, as, as parody and satire, but not really. Yeah, which is uh, cool and scary at the same time. Uh, just thinking of like all the, the sci fi films who kind of predicted our future. Yeah. that's happening now uh and that's i guess that's like the beauty of like storytelling and filmmaking you get to create what how you perceive the world or what it will be and uh sometimes sometimes it comes true <laughs> I, I i'm glad you brought that in because that's where i was going to wind up too with the storytelling thing again because uh storytelling is interesting I've, i i say this a, a lot and i again when i get your take on this but stories first of all i say uh, we are all made up of stories, but none of us, or not, not a lot of us know that, right? Like, I, th- mm-hmm. I think they're all kind of made up of those things um, as kind of elemental almost. And then if you can find a story, like the beginning, the middle, and an end, because they're going all throughout your day, like butterflies all around you, right? And if you can mm-hmm. pluck them out of the air, find that tiny little thing, attach the meaning, or as you say, the North Star, then you have a meaning to that story, potentially a meaning arc of your life. Yeah. So I think stories are just a way for us to find the core meaning. Our stories, anybody else's stories, because stories are a lost art, right? Like the oral tradition was, you know, cavemen and then the minstrels and then, uh, you know, so on and on of the shaman. And then here we are. Nobody tells stories anymore, in my opinion, except for film and TV and music. But we've lost that oral tradition, and I think that's really what you're talking about when it comes to script film and script writing, is to put those themes in, correct? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, and the other thing about writing, too, you know, be it – or just being creative in general, it's such a vulnerable thing to tap into yourself and pick out your flaws or even just, you know – giving yourself, you know, a pat on the back of the things that you do well in life um, and then putting it on a page or in your music or in a book, whatever it is your creative outlet is. But it's still vulnerable but that people are so scared to tap into those things that it takes them a little bit longer to find that voice or find that North Star, that theme that, you know, that they're, uh, they're searching for or wanting, or wanting to talk about. But, yeah, I think you're totally right. Like, everyone has a story. They just uh, need to sit down and tap into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. And that's the thing, too, is, again, I kind of do this more and more these days, and I'm kind of trying to work it into into my life in a little bit other ways, but it's just that concept of when you tell somebody that they're a storyteller, because if I'll tell somebody, tell me a story and figure out what that means, and I go, congratulations, you're a storyteller. And they go, (laughs) seriously, like nobody's ever fucking told them that, ever, right? And they get excited. Yeah. 
so that's what I'm kind of asking you, I guess, ultimately, or at least in this so far, is about that inspiration, is about that moment when you when you say, oh, I'm I'm a storyteller. When did that happen for you? Early on, like you were saying? Yeah, I, I mean, I've always, I mean, luckily, I, my my mom raised me uh, as a single mother for a good part of my uh, my years growing up, and she always pushed creativity because she's she's an artist as well, and um, storytelling was always a thing. Uh, you know, either her making up stories or just giving me books to read, and then she would always encourage me to write um, or like uh, do essays. <laughs> she would make me write read the Nat Geo magazine and say, "Okay, now <laughs> write me what you just read. Like, what is this about?" And I remember like the biggest thing she had me read. Um, I think it was like a form of punishment. I think I had done something that I shouldn't have done. And uh, she made me write a thing about empathy and morals from reading the quote that do unto, do unto others as you would have them unto you. And uh, so I just wrote like a whole thing like about it. And I don't know, it, just, it was just that, always that encouragement from her to just write and write and tell stories and, you know, jot things down or write music with her, whatever it was. Um, so I think I kind of lucked out on that on that side of things uh, at an early age. That's great. And so let's go into music. We were talking earlier that uh, you're a musician, you're a guitar player, you're in a band that sounds unbelievable to me. Why don't you describe that? Please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've, music was always my first love, actually. I wanted to be a I wanted to be a professional musician uh, ever since I could pick up anything. I played drums, bass, guitar, um, did it in school, in high school, and then I kind of found film and fell in love with that, and uh, it always felt like music was something I needed just to keep my life going. And, uh, yeah, I've had bands over the years, um, and my new one uh, were called The Coolers, and uh it's just it's another great outlet just to like express yourself if you need to make some noise or release some uh, tension uh it's it's nice to play live and and get that going um yeah and we just actually just this last weekend we opened up for Oingo Boingo uh former members so that no was a, that was really cool yeah <laughs> tell me about that actually what are here yeah, it was actually really, really fun. It was Halloween night, uh, which was perfect. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was a huge, like, party um, in uh, a Broadway Hills at the Canyon Club. And, uh, yeah, we got to open up for them. There was another really cool opener. And those guys just, you know, they've been together for, what, 40 years? And they're just this well-oiled machine. And they're just so good. And there's, like, that thing about Langle Blind is, like, you may not – know all of their songs but once you hear it you're like oh yeah i know that song <laughs> and it's really oh, good yeah. um yeah, yeah it was it, uh one of those like career highlights for my music career for sure of being being able to say you know i shared a stage with Oingo boingo and uh their bass player pulled it aside or uh one of our band members and was just like i love you guys where have you been and that's always that's that's what uh makes all of this matter is Connecting with fellow musicians that you totally admire and respect. I will go one. I will go one bigger. Uh, fellow artists, because what I what I wanted to say is in, in that I believe at least that there's an artist and there's a musician, or there's an artist mm-hmm. and there's an actor. And I think you know where I'm going with this. 
it's the artists that are the ones that have the soul. The artists are the ones that have the uh, the the compassion uh, and, and the respect. Really, respect is probably a better word. The respect for the art, and that's a huge difference, right? And oh yeah. Have, and to have that kind of respect of you know, it's basically it's almost kind of like when uh, two fighter jets are like flying in formation next to each other, and then one guy kind of gives like the nod, the other guy kind of gives the nod, and then they keep going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just the uh, yeah, it's respect and just you 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 feel it more, I guess, as an artist. You just you feel all this things happening. You're like kind of like an empath, I guess, in a way, um, which is has the good and bad with it. But uh, yeah, just getting that respect from those fellow artists that's you know makes everything worthwhile. All the the craziness leading up to that moment. Sure. But also, I would say that perhaps even the all the craziest up to the moment is also part of the moment, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's just it's a whole thing. I mean, I've, we were talking earlier. I've done that kind of a thing for a while, and I did for a while, and and it's it's interesting. Also, too, you know, artists got to art, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, um, someone uh, a really great friend of mine who's an incredible artist told me this one time. He said that. You know, if you stop creating, you will die in doesn't matter how suicide, overdose, dying of a calcified heart, whatever that looks like, you're going to die. And yeah. correct. And I yeah, I thought you would resonate with that because that's it. Because, you know, you, let me ask you this. I personally, when I and the other artists that I talked to, there's almost this burning inside. It's almost like a pregnancy when you're uh, when you have a creative thing, you know? Yeah. And you have to kind of, it's yeah. going to come out one way or another. Because if you don't, it's, you're just going to hold it in and you're going to get sepsis and whatever metaphor we're using right now. But it's important to do that. And I think that's what you're kind of talking about, correct? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I jumped back into music because I, you know, with screenwriting, you, you don't get to make your movie the next day. But with music, it's like a, a immediate outlet and you are creating this thing that's inside you, this feeling, you know, you know, if you write it, be a sad song or a happy song or a dark song or, you know, whatever that mood is, uh, and you get to get it out. And then if you're lucky, you get to share it with other people and hopefully it resonates in the same way for them. Or they just, you know, get something out of it. That's also like one of the cool things about being a musician and being an artist and, and, and making, creating that thing for them, that shared moment. Um, again, it was just such a, a cool experience having those moments and being on stage and like seeing people that like, connect to stuff or just having a good time just makes it all worth it. Art, art, art is medicine, right? I mean, I could think of so many artists that who who stopped because of an injury or something, and it just makes them depressed and and you feel for them because you know all they need to do is just pick up the, the guitar or whatever it is that they do or the paintbrush and they just can't in that moment and it's heartbreaking especially when, when you leave someone to that depression or whatever it is um, you know you wish you could give them that, that uh, ability to create again yeah it's a soul death when that kind of thing happens. Yeah. I, yeah. I had a good friend yeah. of mine uh, who stopped creating and then uh, committed suicide. And that was yeah. a real part of it, honestly. 
Um, in fact, that's kind of what made my other friend say this to me about, if you don't continue to put, he, he even said, he's like, I kind of knew this was going to happen because they stopped creating. And I was like, what? And he says, yeah, that's exactly what happens to people like us. And it, yeah. it really it hit hard, but it made perfect sense the second he said it. Yeah, it totally um, makes sense. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate that we, like, we're, we're so, like, uh, deeply connected emotionally to it, but it's like, I guess that's what makes us artists, right? We, we make these things, um, because they are so personal and, uh, come from the heart and from the soul. Uh, yeah, you just need that space and time to do it if you can, if you're able to. Can I ask you a general question? A big, giant yeah. question? Here we go. <laughs> All right. This is a big one. It's not, is there a God, but it's close. Um, Let's try this. What does being an artist look like for you? Or rather, no, how do you define what being an artist is? And that is a, that is a big general question. Uh, Told you. For me, it's, it's hard to say. It's, it's, it's just something you are, you know, I think a lot of people, like you were saying, like anyone can be a storyteller. They just don't know it having the ability to see it and execute um, and also having the space to do it, either it be your, your head space or your actual physical space and being able to create. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's a really good question. I'm going to, I'm going to have to think about that one. Uh, well, after this, <laughs> this call, <laughs> Part two. It's a big one. <laughs> Part two. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, it's well, what is it? What is it for you? I'm curious now. Back to you. Like, what, what is that? What does that mean to you? Oh no, no, no! I'm the interviewer. Um, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> How dare you? Um, okay. Uh, here's what I think an artist is. Let me just let me just throw this out. Let's see where, let's see where this lands. Um, in order to be, first, I'm just going to use about storytellers, but you'll see where I'm going with this. In order to be a good storyteller, you need to do one of two things. A, you need to be able to tell the story, whatever that looks like, film, TV, music, painting. But far more importantly, it's far more difficult is you got to find it. Mm. Right? That is the challenge. And if you ask me, that is perhaps what really does make an artist. Because they can find it. And how do they know how to find it? Rehearsal. In other words, like I, I, I call it being story aware. This is kind of hopefully I'll make my billions of dollars in therapy in 20,000 years when I'm dead. <laughs> and my name can carry on. Um, but <laughs> to be story aware, meaning, you know, it's like, it's like what Keith Richards said. He said, all you need to do is be a lightning rod. Wait for the moment. Mm. And that's it. When it hits, you got it. That's all you need to be, the channel, a vessel, you know? And once you're a vessel, yeah. and this is, this is getting into Buddhism, but, you know, once you've kind of had that spiritual enema, for lack of a better phrase, then you can kind of clear yourself out, you can see what's going on, you can see the larger picture, and you can start to find stories or songs or art. Because obviously it doesn't pop out of nowhere, but it's pre-existing if you want to be really esoteric about it. Mm-hmm. So being an artist is really, if I'm going with this, uh, being in tune. If you're in tune, mm. then you can find the story. I think that's, that is a perfect definition of it. <laughs> well, I'm just making shit up, so. 
<laughs> but it is being being like you said, being in tune and and then and striking while it's hot and knowing how to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, being being a screenwriter, you know, being a great screenwriter, becoming a great screenwriter. You know, you have to practice the craft for years to really get it. You know, pin it down and, and know how to tell the story uh, structurally sound. And then and then you're like your gold, and now you can do what you need to do to make your stories. Um, and there's also, you know, the fun of, of breaking the rules once you know the rules and coloring outside the lines, um, which makes it even more exciting. Sure. Okay, you ready for a bigger question? Okay, let's do it. Here, here we go. When do you know that you're done? That is another really great question, Beth. Uh, when do you know when you're done? Well, in terms of writing, um, I think once you've finished, I feel like, you know, writing is always, like, writing is rewriting. You're always going to rewrite and you can rewrite something for forever. Um, I think that, you know, when it's done is when you, you have Finally, let go. Coming back to character, letting go of that character, and knowing that they've you've done what you could, you know, with them in that scenario. Um, and also, you know, if you if you're lucky to have a, a network of people that you trust to read the material and saying like, yeah, this is good, this is ready to go. Um, that's kind of when you know when you're done. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm definitely terrible at this, but I could I've been rewriting projects for years. Um, just because I just feel like I'm not quite done with what I'm doing in that world. Uh, in terms of music, I think it's like once I've made how I want it to sound in my head and I can have it, you know, recorded, um, that's when I know it's done, I think. But it's it's tough. It's all subjective, too, to each individual, right? Yeah, but that's that's a good question. That's a really good one, Jeff. Uh, thanks. I ask it to every artist I know, uh, really, and I get the I get such a wide variety of responses. Uh, some are just fun, like what the check clears. <laughs> there's, there's that. <laughs> um, I get a lot of those. Great. Um, you know, it, it, it's sort of and kind of like you were saying. You know, there's there's an old saying, and, and I think it's true for artists is that when I let go of things, I leave claw marks. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so anyway, um, I actually asked Neil Young this question. He had the greatest answer of all time. He goes, when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that makes sense, Mr. Young. I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so zen, just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's not fair. How do you know? <laughs> but it's cool because I think it gets to the core of sort of what we're talking about to a certain degree. Uh, you, look, you know this. Uh, when uh, when digital came out for recording, you were, you were no longer mm-hmm. on tape, or you could do the same for film, too. You're shooting on, 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 on actual film, you're burning reels. You can't, you know, there's a mm-hmm. limited, a finite amount of reels that you can get. Digital, doesn't matter. Take, 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 take. I mean, you know, you, you you can end up like uh, like a Kubrick in like Eyes Wide Shut with Tom Cruise, you know, <laughs> turning a ninety times with a handle. But yeah. right, so that's what makes it more difficult to stop. 
Yeah, and you know, there's there's a thing with like I remember having like the four track as a kid and having to get super creative to make more layers of a thing, but you only get so many chances, right? And then like like you're saying with digital, you could just keep doing it over and over again. And I think you could totally get lost in that too. With your writing, you know, everything's digital. If if you're not writing, you know, pen to paper or a typewriter, you just keep hitting backspace, 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 <laughs> and rewrite and rewrite and never finish the damn thing because you know it's unlimited. Whereas you know, paper film, not so much. You know, perhaps that's why literature, you could argue, was uh, fantastic back when there was quills and parchment. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, there's a limited amount of things that you could be real careful with what you were going to say. Yeah, yeah, you had to really think it out. Absolutely. <laughs> quills and parchment. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now I'm just freeforming here. But um, so tell me, why do you think actors want to be musicians? Sometimes. Why do actors want to be musicians? They're they're showboats. They they want the uh, the instant uh, applause. <laughs> right. And I would take this a little further to say that they are tired. They don't like being told what to do, which is what happens on a set. It's you do this yeah. and you do that. And here are the lines. They have no control. They think they do, but they kind of don't. And yeah. then when they're a musician, and inevitably they're not great. I mean, Bruce Willis, I mean, you can go down a list. <laughs> Return of Bruno. About Johnny, Johnny Depp on a guitar? I mean, he's always going to be a rock star, right? <laughs> we'll get you started. The Hollywood Vampires! I'm out here like, what? <laughs> Dude, Life Room is so it's over. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Life Room is, like, not cool after River died. So, move on! Um... <laughs> I do have to say, I've played there and probably seen the nicest sound guys in L.A., so I'll give them that. Was it the Scottish guy? I said the sound guys, the sound team right. were really nice. I would say we're right. a few years ago I was there, but, uh, yeah, it's such a small it, hole-in-the-wall place, though. But were they Scottish? Or at least there, there's one guy who was a Scot, who was a sound guy, because I played there a bunch, and he was hilariously evil. Not <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, he was great. But that, Get your fucking shit off the stage. <laughs> He's definitely not there. But we should find him and bring him back. But uh, but yeah, going back to your your actors being musicians, I think you're totally right. But I'll I'll give you this. I think the actors make really great directors and writers. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Uh, I think they are more in tune with communicating uh like emotion again with like character going back to character again they they can uh you know if they if they're a seasoned actor um they hopefully work with some of the greatest directors or storytellers out there and they kind of pick up on those things those nuances and can just communicate it a little bit better um not saying that Ben Affleck is one of the best directors but I think he's definitely a better director than an actor um, huh? and I think it's just from him working with some really great filmmakers and he just has a way of making things work um, on his screen. If, as long as he's not acting in it, it's going to be a pretty decent movie. So what else, who are the directors or who else has made that transition that you can tell me about that you think is good? Oh, 
Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot, and I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, I got one. one I, okay, go for it. Vera Farmagina. Yes. Uh, and here's another one. Uh, he's done a lot of comedy stuff. Michael Showalter, who is on, oh. he just directed a, a pretty pretty good movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, there's something about comedy guys who do uh, traumatic pieces really well. Um, mm. But yeah, there's yeah, I'm sure there's more actor directors out there. They're just really good, uh, especially screenwriters too. That makes sense because, like you said, they were around the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to hanging out at the Roxy. Right. <laughs> right. Or the Rainbow Room or something, right? <laughs> Do not diss the Rainbow Room. Can I tell you real quick, sidebar, total sidebar, <laughs> the, the absolute unknown truth about the hidden truth about that place is their food is fucking really good. They have good pizza, right. it turns out. Eh, not just a pizza. We're talking about a, I'm going veal, I'm going chicken parmesan, the steaks are amazing, I'm completely in. But, also, quick fun fact, so my name is Jeff Watson. I also happen to share the same name with a guitar player from Night Ranger. Yes. So, so <laughs> when you go into the Rainbow Room to this day, there is still a mural of Jeff Watson with a guitar, and it says Jeff Watson in all bad font. That's me. That's <laughs> me. The strangest thing is, strangest thing is, that I, I will to this day still get people, if I'm talking to them about business or something, the first thing they'll say is, are you from Night Ranger? And I'm like, why, like, why do you know this, first of all? <laughs> Second of all, would, would, would he be a therapist? Like, come on. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> you, you should try to get him on your show and just be like, <laughs> Would you do this, Jeff? To one Jeff, to another. <laughs> exactly. It's just us literally talking to each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so um, what got you into uh, the script world? I was actually uh, in high school. I was well on my way of pursuing a music career. And my stepdad, uh, who had uh, dabbled in filmmaking in his younger days, decided he wanted to get back into it and pretty much just, like, threw me in uh, with him in making short films. And I, he kind of showed me the ropes of being, like, a script supervisor. So I kind of was paying attention to every single job and reading the script and, you know, just all, you know, feet both in, running along with him and, uh, you know, you know, having written short stories myself, one day I was like, hey, can I use your computer and your screenwriting software? I think I want to try to write my own screenplay and make my own short movie. And he happily handed over his, his uh, computer to me, and I wrote a really depressing uh, <laughs> short script. And... Um, I would, like, I just got the bug from there, and I was writing in between classes or during classes in high school and had, making friends read my screenplays, and, uh, yeah, I just got the bug and started making little short films at home and getting creative with what I had and the friends I had available who would want to be in my silly little movies, and 
then I was like, all right, well, I think I'm going to apply to film school instead of pursuing music. And I, uh, you know, sidebar, I didn't really want to uh, go to college. Like, I want, I thought it would be really cool to be a high school dropout because that's what <laughs> rock stars do. And, uh, you know, uh, God laughed at me, and I, like, became, like, an honor student in my senior, my senior year. I was like, am I even doing anything? Like, what is going on? Um <laughs> And yeah, and so I told my parents, I was like, hey, like, I really don't want to go to college, but I know you guys want me to. So whoever's the first college to accept me, I'll go to that school. And um, so I got into a, a small college in Tarzana and Valley called Columbia College Hollywood and uh, did that. And then uh, I had some really great writing mentors there who really pushed me and were like, this, you know, you're a storyteller, you're a writer, uh, you, you know, keep doing this. And one of them um, really encouraged me to apply to ASI. And so I did, and I got in, and kind of like the rest of the history, I made some really great friends there, and I just kept at it and keep working on my craft and all the above. But, yeah, that's kind of – I kind of blame my uh, student debt on my stepdad, uh for making me fall in love with this uh, storytelling medium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. Uh, it sounds about right. Let me go backwards for a second, though. I, I yeah. gotta ask. Let's go. Let's go backwards. When you were talking about making your own films, are we talking like a like a big VHS kind of thing you stick on your shoulder? Are, are we talking a small Super Eight? What, what are we What are we doing here? Uh, we had uh, like our home DV cameras, but I don't think they were even DV tapes. They were a little bigger. So I remember I had a friend who, whose dad bought a small camera, and we were using that to make, like, a, I think, like, Jackass was, like, the new big thing at the time. So we were trying to make our own gate videos falling and all that kind of stuff and, like, editing yeah. in the camera. Um, and then, yep. yeah, and then my stepdad had uh, – he got a camera uh, with a Panasonic – DV camera, which was like the big thing at the time, and he got it by shooting uh, weddings. He started <laughs> filming weddings on the weekends so that he could pay for this camera. Um, <laughs> and he let and he let me use it, and uh, you know, of course, with his supervision, you know, you, you don't want a bunch of sixteen-year-olds, seventeen-year-olds playing with this gear. But yeah, and I just started shooting stuff at home and getting creative. And uh, I was just talking about this today with my husband, like when the, the first movies that made me want to, you know, made me kind of, like, open up my eyes and, like, filmmaking was Saturday Night Fever, that opening shot uh, with mm-hmm. the feet and, like, with yeah. the movies. And I was like, I'm like, that, I want to do that. So in one of my first short films, I recreated that little moment at Sam's Bee Gees, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your moment. That was when you saw something. That was your vision moment. Yeah. Right? Incredible. Absolutely. What do you think? Of, what about it was? Well, how old were you when you saw that? Uh, I, I mean, I've seen that maybe so yeah. many times as a kid. I think I, I was probably around when I started working on the film sets with my step my stepdad, uh, and I saw that movie. I think that kind of made it like, oh, okay, this is the thing that it could. It, I know how to do this now. I think, and I want to try to do that. Because, you know, it's the music and that, that setting up that tone and just, it looks so cool. And, uh, it looks easy to do, but it's not. <laughs> um, no. 
but yeah, it, uh, yeah, definitely uh, a, a teenage teenage baby I, saw that and was I, like, yeah. I gotta say, I gotta say flat out. First of all, I've never, I've never listened to anybody speak so beautifully about the opening shot of Saturday Night Fever. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, seriously, it's like you're talking about like like Rashomon right now. Like slow down. Second of all, second of all. However, you're absolutely right now that I think about it. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the genius of that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's in sync with the music when he's walking, which would have been an obvious move. Right? Yeah, I don't think – yeah, I think it's like – it's been a while since I've seen that. But, yeah, I think it kind of goes out of sync uh, once he starts, you know, when they start opening up the shot because it starts with his feet and then it opens up. Um, right. Yeah, but, no, but, I'm but that would watch that movie tonight. <laughs> right, but that would have been an easy one. I'm almost positive on yeah. right now that I think about it. As you know, there would have been an easy setup. He walks to the beat of the song, and that's how it's in the script. That didn't happen right. that way. So, ergo into it, God bless you for making me think of that genius part now. <laughs> You're welcome. You've done good. You've done good. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, you know, again, thank you so much for doing this. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, Seth, it's been a pleasure for me. This is so much, so much fun. Good. Um, and, and as a therapist, I will now charge you $150. I don't know if that was discussed <laughs> up front. Uh, there's an informed consent that we have to fill out now. <laughs> we have a thing. I'll, uh, I'll have to make sure my therapist is not find out that I was talking to you. So um, yeah. we'll have to keep this on the down low, please. I need, I need an ROI. <laughs> I need an ROI now. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure, and I appreciate your time. All right. Thank All you right. so much, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Of course. Bye. <laughs>